Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. podcast with you as always i am your host andrew ledman and i'm casey bartley and before we get into our pretty great topics tonight casey i have a question for you is it trivia no no i'm not gonna read a, a mark titus description of a purdue player and make you try to guess like you did to me last week that'd be a really good podcast <laughs> that would just nothing <laughs> nothing but back and forth reading mark titus things and seeing if we can match the purdue player that's the content people are craving that is my wet dream ledman oh nope didn't need to know that <laughs> Uh, so I'm, I'm limiting this to just the Matt Painter era of Purdue because I think obviously that's most recent uh, and it's really what I think a lot of our fans really know because Painter has been here for so long at this point. In your time watching Purdue basketball um, during the Matt Painter era, can you name one, maybe two Big Ten opponents, like individual players, who you hated the most? That's a good question. And obviously we're talking sports hate here, so not like I want to you know punch him in the face. It's like I hate them because they've they've done something to my team, and I have to get revenge on them somehow. I mean, everyone agrees Sheehy. Absolutely. He was my number one. He was my number one. Yeah. Um, I think Wisconsin guys are pretty hateable, just in general. Um, Iowa's, Iowa's coach, I think, would be my number one, McCaffrey. <laughs> McCaffrey. He just seems it like, like you're making too big of – you're not good enough to make as big of a deal of everything as you do. Which is just I, annoying, personally. I just worry he's going to have an aneurysm on the court someday. Yeah. I mean, his his head just gets so red. You can see those veins. Yeah, it's not the best. Um, I got I to gotta think for a second because okay. there's well, definitely been a think, lot of them. While you think, I will throw out a couple. So Sheehy is my number one. I will never just forget the, the game they had in Mackey where Purdue just got trounced. I mean, I can't I even remember. I was at that game. And and he's like flexing after a dunk, and it was just like, 
oh, I want to punch you in the face right now. You know what? I honestly felt good leaving that game because that was that was the birth of AJ Hammonds. Yeah, AJ Hammonds scored like thirty points that game, right? Yeah, and I was just like, oh, that big dude is the future, and we're going to be just fine. Yeah, but I mean, I I was not so uh, looking to the future. I was more angry in the present. Um, the other one, other one that always sticks out to me is uh, Krabinoff from Wisconsin because I thought that dude was just a dirty player. He was the guy who, if I'm remembering correctly, on it he did like a dirty screen on Lou Jack and gave Lou Jack basically a concussion. All right, that's that's on Purdue. That's on Lou Jack's teammates. I was at that. Yeah, game. I mean somebody didn't call out a screen. I get it. But he also, like, he threw a shoulder into him. Yeah, but that happens with almost every screen. I'm not going to fault him that much for that, to be honest. Uh, It's hard not to do that when you play basketball because you know you're about to get hit. And it looked a lot worse and was a lot worse because Lou Jack is so short. I'm going to blame that entirely on Lou Jack's team. Listen, I'm not here for your rational takes. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, this is kind of timely. I'm going to say Aaron Kraft. Good one. Good one. I I didn't I, I didn't appreciate him very much. I thought he was always obviously he's someone that like you really like on your team. I don't know how much of that is because you know how people feel about uh point guards that look like he do he does. Like generally <laughs> that draws a crowd. I just thought he was always overrated and the stuff he did like he was a decent athlete, um, but I think he got away with a lot just because he was strong in the Big Ten when they didn't call fouls. And yeah. he had a team around him that was just loaded oh, to where team. he was never – he had the dream perfect scenario. And yeah, I never like thought the, he was – You're as, like the fifth option on that team. Yeah. And so we always had one-on-one, always had driving lanes. I didn't think he was ever as good as people think. And now they're talking like it's a big deal that he's on the Ohio State TBT team. And it's just not that impressive. He he, he wasn't that good. And he always, uh, he always looked like he had the rosiest, reddest cheeks yeah. in the entire world. He always looked like he just came in from like a 10 below zero with a great wind. And it's like, oh, guys, it's cold out there. I don't know. Another, another hateable guy, Davidson, over in Wisconsin, is just a better form of Aaron Croft. And no one's going to say it. <laughs> oh, wow. He could shoot. All right. Yeah. Croft can shoot. Just could not shoot all right well this was fun i'm glad i could ask that one um so keeping in mind you just talked about tbt uh the big news and the shocking news was that none other than robbie hummel was the latest selection uh for the men of Mackey. and i gotta say did not see that coming yeah it turns out he had some time off uh unfortunately oh, no. Come on. unfortunately the three by three thing didn't work for you know the olympic village in tokyo so uh, why not go play some basketball and win some money? I, I, it, it's pretty cool. I, I didn't think we would ever see Robbie Hummel do something. He was almost too good for the tournament. So yeah. that's a good sign to add on your program. And you know, he was preparing for an Olympic run. You know he's in shape in basketball yeah, right. already. The only, the only thing is he is in half-court shape. So we'll see how that translates Have into a Have you watched half-court? Because that, that's exhausting. <laughs> well, you yeah. You but, can... I mean, you're not, you're not running a full court, a full length. But here's the thing. When you're running like that, a lot of the times you're conserving your energy as you jog down to set up. There's no setting up in three by three. True, your defender true. or the guy you're guarding who is guarding you is all of a sudden on offense. There's no break. That That yeah. is more exhausting it's, at times. It's very frenetic. Yeah. It's very frenetic. Yeah. So, so I think when I, I know um, in the tournament last year, they talked about how much each player made or like was set to make if they win because it's a million dollar winner take all tournament and players on the same team were not getting the same amount of money i think we've talked about this before so right. i would imagine hummel is going to get more than almost everyone if not everyone on that uh men of Mackey team yeah unless the agreement is just everyone splits it which you've seen a lot of teams do 
it, it would obviously make sense to have Hummel. You know, he's probably the biggest name and one of the better players, and you would imagine he would be, if they do win, one of the biggest reasons why. I don't think they're that caught up on the money. If they're going to win, they're all going to have close to, you know, six figures just show up in their bank account all of a sudden. So I don't know if that's a huge deal for a lot of those guys. Hummel's probably as well set up yeah. as any of them. Yeah, I don't, think Hummel, I don't think Hummel is, like, sitting on the road with a, with a cup in his hand trying to get some money. Like, hey, yeah, yeah, so I, I'll shoot baskets for $5. So I wouldn't be shocked if it is just pretty pretty even across. I think that's what they did the year before. I could be wrong on that. I don't think the Purdue team did. I know other teams did, oh. but I believe the Purdue team had different uh, – had varying amounts. It, it was all messed up because they kind of had to add people late. Yeah, yeah, it was all kind of Reapply their schedule, so I wasn't – I wasn't sure how they were yeah. going to do it. So, yeah, it, it, it's huge. I mean, it's a huge – anytime you can add a 6'8 guy who plays that smart and hard, um, who's in shape, which seems to be a theme for the basketball tournament for the Minimaki. They got a lot of guys that are all playing professional ball all over the place yeah. in real shape. Yeah. And that's going to make a difference, especially as you go through the grind. Pretty much Lou Jack's the only one not playing. And Yeah, and I don't think, we, any, I don't think anybody's questioning uh, Lou Jack's work ethic, so – I'm pretty sure he'll he'll uh, be able to carry his weight. Yeah, he was a freak on the court, went at it 100% all the time. Yeah, it's Robbie Hummel is. Uh, we need it. We said beforehand we needed shooting. We, th- right. we thought it might be right. like someone like Rayfield Davis or Ryan Klein. I mean, th- this is hitting the jackpot. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, and oddly enough, you know, they're actually they're not guaranteed to even be in the T by T. Did you know that? What do you mean? So. They haven't even chosen what teams are actually going to be in the basketball tournament. Yet. Oh right, yeah, that's. I mean, just it's kind probably a, a foregone conclusion, but yeah, uh, the selection show is actually on Monday uh, at 1 p.m., which I, I don't know who made that decision. Um, 1 p.m. on a Monday, not exactly uh, prime real estate to get your uh, your stuff out there, but uh, that is when it's going to air. It looks like it's just going to be on their Twitter account and uh, probably uh, via YouTube as well. So. If you want to watch to see kind of where they're placed, who they're going to be playing against, it will be on uh, Monday, June 21st at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So that's what we've got to look forward to. So we'll have a little more on that as it comes out. And uh, hopefully we'll get to see quite a few games with this team together because I think they've got a real shot. They've got a lot of talent out there. Yeah, I like the team. Makes a lot of sense putting it together. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Uh, it's you know they still had it last year, but with all the COVID stuff, we didn't really get a full Minimaki. Right. This, this squad is a lot heavier with Purdue Boilermakers. Yeah, yeah, and that's really what I'm looking for. You know, obviously last season was a little this last season last TBT was a little disappointment. I mean they didn't get as far as we wanted to um, as well, but you see a lot of players had to drop out. They had to add in these guys that we didn't hurt we hadn't heard of, and it like it really wasn't a men of Mackey team. It was like five men of Mackey and then a bunch of guys who you don't really know. So this season, this season's uh, TBT is going to be a lot better, a lot more interesting to me. So I'm really looking forward to it. So after that selection show, I'm sure we'll have something on the site about when the games are and where everybody can watch them. So just stay tuned to hammerandrails.com for that. So moving on from TBT, this is just a little news uh, that we just wanted to point out the ridiculousness of it. Uh, Jeff Brom announced his defensive staff because, uh, you know, there have been some shakeups. The defensive staff really needed some shakeups uh, because they really weren't pulling their weight. Um, but he announced his staff, and there are not one, not two, but three defensive coordinators on staff. And I just want to know why. 
I guess um, that's three chances to fire your defense coordinator <laughs> through the season well, you know, to uh, boost up your defense. Well, you know, he's done it two years in a row. So maybe maybe if he fires three after this season, he will have fired five in, what, four years, five years? I don't even know how long yeah. he's been here. Uh, that, uh, forever and not a good forever. <laughs> well, so they, they like I said, they put it out on uh, the 16th, and they've got Brad Lambert, who's a co-defensive coordinator and a linebackers coach. Ron English, co-defensive coordinator, secondaries coach. And Mark Hagan, co-defensive coordinator, defensive lines coach. So, I mean, granted, you know, English and Hagan are fairly big names. They've held big jobs before. English, I believe, was at Michigan prior to this. And Hagan, of course, was at IU, and he's also previously been to Purdue, um, I believe, on a couple occasions. So, I mean, these are all big guys with big names. Um, the only thing I could think of is maybe it's some sort of pay structure issue. Um, maybe the coordinator can get into a different salary level and Brahm is trying to work the system a little bit. Um, but honestly, that's, that is the most logical and optimistic explanation I've heard. Yeah. That, that would make me feel better than any other explanation. Good, good. I mean, that, that's the only thing I can think of because surely three people are not calling the plays. Three people are not creating a defensive game plan and they surely wouldn't rotate like you know hey lambert you do game one english you do game three hagan you do you know like no that doesn't make any sense you you'd you'd have so much change from week to week that no one could keep up with that yeah we kind of went into the season with brahm saying i'm going to take more ownership of the defense and then all of a sudden he was like well here's three new stepdads <laughs> to watch the kids I'm going to take care of. More. And and the stepdads all live in the same house right? Uh, with the dad. So yes. who knows? It's going to be like just absolute chaos. I'm sure at the press conferences, someone is going to ask him, you know, who is actually calling the plays. Uh, and I'm sure he'll obfuscate and say, well, you know, everything comes from me or something to that effect. But hopefully we can get a little more clarity on what is going on. But it's just such a weird situation. And I thought we had to mention it at least for just a minute. So moving on. Uh, we will head back to basketball land. Um, it was announced uh, this week as well that Trevion Williams did not receive an offer uh, to attend the NBA uh, combine, draft combine. So to me, obviously, I mean, you know, it's bad news for him. It, I'm sure it's uh, maybe not something that he expected. Maybe he thought he was going to get invited. Um, he's certainly, certainly shown a lot of promise. But for Purdue fans, I think it gives us even more hope that he is coming back. Uh, Casey, am I reading that situation correctly? Yeah, um, it does sound like he has a couple NBA teams that are willing to work him out, which is good. Uh, you, you can really use those things to your advantage. You can learn the things you kind of have to work on. Um, you get to see some coaches, talk to them. Not a bad thing. But th- this clearly says he's not really on the NBA radar right now. It, it would be pretty shocking if he stayed in the NBA draft, which is kind of what everyone thought anyway. He was on campus practicing this last week. All signs point to him staying on campus, finishing up his junior, senior year, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And then looking for the NBA one more time. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't see any way at this point that he doesn't come back. I mean, the combine was really going to be his chance to showcase what he can do like you said he may he is getting some individual workouts i believe the mavericks were the team um that uh had had him work out but uh, at this point with him not getting an invite to the draft combine 
I, I really find it hard to believe that he would stick in the draft. So with July 7th being the deadline uh, to withdraw, I would imagine we're probably going to get an announcement from him before that, that he is coming back. But again, I mean, do you agree there? I don't know if we'll hear beforehand because the, the only benefit is to us fans to not have to worry about it. And like in the big term, who cares about that? Wait till the last second. Don't whatever. Get as much out of it as you can. Go see as many people as you can. Talk as many people as you can. You don't know who is going to be at these workouts. Maybe you would impress an assistant GM, a coach who kind of, because of that workout, they watch you all year. And all of a sudden next year already, they're like, yeah, I want this guy. So stay in the process. It's there for a reason. It's long for a reason. See a couple teams. We're not hurt by it. He's still making practice. We're still going to plan ahead forward. Like he's going to be with us. There's no downside to him just sticking it out and seeing what the NBA has to say about him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. So uh, we're both expecting him to return, but uh, it, you know, it's, it's gotta be hard for him to not be invited because I'm sure he would have liked that opportunity because he will get great. He would have gotten great feedback there. He can still get that from individual teams, but I'm sure it would have been a great experience to go to that draft combine. Give me Trey with a chip on his shoulder coming in. Yeah. Saying, Hey, y'all should have had me last year when you could have got a second round. pick. Exactly. Like, look, look what you're missing out on. Yeah. He looks good. Like we're watching videos of him working out and, uh, Trying stuff during the year. He looks he looks good. His body looks yeah, ready. Yeah. Well, and it's so it's so strange to see those videos of him with his body in, you know, such good shape because when he came in, you know, that was the big knock on him is he could never maintain um his physique, he could never maintain his weight and his stamina. Um and clearly that has all been solved. You know, the the guy plays a bunch of minutes, uh, you know, sometimes he can do to foul trouble, but that's not a conditioning thing. Um, he was a lot better last year at not. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, clearly he's – I would argue he's in the best shape of his life. Um, so that is clearly not a problem anymore. So that's great news for Purdue going forward into the next season. Yeah, my hope next year is that we're going to – I think him and Edie are going to be too good not to play on the court uh, together maybe a little bit. So if we could get some four tray where he looks okay, that would go a long way for his NBA stock as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean – it's a, just a different NBA now. So to be able to to be a guy who's going to stick on a roster, you've, you've got to be able to do a little bit of shooting. And he has shown that he can shoot, but maybe not to the level that the NBA folks would want it to uh, to translate. I, I still – shooting is definitely important. needs to have a little bit of that. But I think his next level passing, he is he sees the game in a way that is very rare, and I think that will be the ticket to him getting a chance to stick and play in the next level. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's definitely got an elite uh, elite passing ability, so that's going to really be, I think, his key, like you said, to the NBA. And anything else on top of that, obviously, is going to be gravy, but you know, they're going to want to see him be a competent player um, from a shooting perspective, and I think he's he's shown that, but he's obviously got room to improve, and that's what he can show this next season. Agreed. All right, so we've got one more topic after the break. Uh, we will catch you as soon as we sell some underwear or, you know, stamps or something. I don't even know. And we are back. So we got one more topic for the podcast this evening. Purdue got a fairly big, uh, in more ways than one, commitment uh, this past week. So four-star recruit Camden Hyde, or Heidi, it's H-E-I-D-E, we are not pronunciation experts, so we're probably going to switch back and forth. We apologize to Camden if we are getting your name wrong, or maybe we'll just call you Camden because that's easier for us. Um, he committed to the Boilermakers and Matt Painter uh, on the 15th. I know, Casey, you wrote uh, the write-up on the site for him. 
Um, what can you tell me about him? Let me just give you uh, one bit of information. He does show uh, that he is now 6'7", listed as 205 in the class of 2022. So what else do we need to know about this guy? Yeah, because when when we were first looking at him and Rivals and 247 all has him listed at 6'5". So the fact his body is still growing, that is a big thing because Cannon Heidi is the prototypical type of wing uh, the nice thing is he's got a really wide body. You see his shoulders right away. He's got a frame that fills out. He's about 205 pounds. That is a big time body already. Uh, he's, um, he is a shooter. Uh, so that size really, really, if he can go six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, every inch he gets is a little more clearance. He gets on his jumper. He's not a super lateral quick guy. Um, doesn't really look like he's going to be a great defender. But with size can cover that up. We saw that with Ryan Klein. That you don't have to be the best athlete if you've got some heft and you got some strength. We can find places to put you on the court where you are going to be effective at every level. And Camden Hyde is an aggressive offensive player. He looks to attack the basket. Has a really confident jump shot. He's got a really clean and smooth natural base to his jump shot. Really quick. No wasted motion. So the bigger he gets, the better that jump shot, jump shot starts to look. And he's a kid that, uh, especially when you think about who he's coming in with this class, Braden Smith and Lawyer, those are two guys that are on the frail, smaller side. So to bring in a big wing is the exact kind of guy that Painter needs. Yeah, and I, I watched some of his highlights, and this is obviously just based on the eyeball test. You look at him, and he looks like the kind of guy that Wisconsin would get, and he would play out on the wing, and he would just frustrate the hell out of here for four years. And by the time he gets to his senior year, he's going to be like Big Ten Player of the Year. And you're like, God, I hate this guy. Hasn't he been here for 30 years? He's he's just got that kind of body that I feel like Wisconsin always has the 6'8", 6'9", you know, big, tall, meaty white guy who you watch and is just a great shooter and is everywhere on the court. It's like the prototypical Wisconsin player. Yeah, he's he definitely looks like he's going to be a really efficient scorer. You know, a quick 10, 15 points, you look up all of a sudden, he's in double digits, and you're like, what? How did that happen? Um, strong attacking the basket, has pretty good touch. He's not super quick, so he relies on his strength. So the bigger he is and the more he can size up is going to help him on both ends of the floor. So if we're putting him out on the wing, um, obviously with his – uh, size that's that's likely where he'll he'll end up and he like you said he is a good shooter is there anyone from recent purdue teams you can compare him to i mean vincent edwards jumps out as someone um but edwards was not really as big as heidi looks like he can be uh, as far as bulk goes i mean edwards was was a bit longer i think he looked a bit longer but he was lean as well um heidi looks to me like he could be a bit bulkier uh, than edwards was yeah, Heidi, uh, body-wise, is closer to, especially if he gets a couple more inches, closer to, like, Hummel size. Um, he's, uh, right now, on this trajectory, going to be a little bigger than even Ryan Klein, who I mentioned. Uh, we, we we haven't had a ton of wing players that are this big, even, like, Brandon Newman's on the slightly smaller yeah. size at, like, 6'5 and a little frail. We haven't had many thick, thick guys, so, you know, he's more, more Robbie Hummel range, where he can really bounce between the three and four. He's so skilled that you think of him as a three, but to be honest, his size could make him a four. Well, I mean, 
Anytime you can compare a player coming into Purdue to Robbie Hummel. He's not Robbie yeah. Hummel. Uh, <laughs> just to be clear, I know you're not he's saying not. that. He's not. But I'm saying he, you're just comparing yeah. the type of game and the type of player. You're not any, you know, talking about a floor or a ceiling for what he can be, but just the kind of the similar type of game. And I get that. Yeah. I get that. I don't I don't want to, you know, have wild speculation. Casey called this guy the next Robbie Hummel. <laughs> that would be an outrageous claim. But yeah, because I haven't his tape is a little hard to gauge because you watch a lot of games and everyone's in T-shirts or guys are five, like <laughs> eight. It's like it's, the, it's not it's like, like the, the highest the, quality. The kid yeah. in the T-shirt at the pool. You're like, oh, man, yeah. come on. <laughs> what are we doing? Not here? the highest quality opponents. So I, I have a hard feel to know how he sees the game when it comes to passing, because pretty much everything you can see on him tape wise, he's against guys that have no shot against when he can just get to the hoop. And I, I'm not sure if you mentioned this. Um, if you did, I probably wasn't listening. Like I don't most times you speak. Um, he is know. coming to Purdue from Minnesota. So um, I don't know much about the state of Minnesota basketball, you know, to go off. It's not the Mecca. Yeah, I mean it's not Indiana. I know that, but uh, he, I, I don't. I can compare it to any other state. I I have no idea. He's pretty much the number one wing out of the state, which you like. Um, Minneapolis, big city, but yeah, it doesn't doesn't have the AAU roots or extreme talent of someone like it, like in Indiana or Illinois. But you can only play against who you can play against, yeah, and right. he's looked really good against it. And you know he's aggressive. Um, looks like he can score at the hoop and away from the hoop. And you value that a lot. Uh, he's a kid that likes to dunk. Uh, I like that. I'll take he's that. A, That's a high percentage a, shot. Yeah. He's, he really looks to finish at the hoop really looks to get to the hoop. He's a strong jumper off one leg. He's not explosive, but he is strong getting to the hoop. So if you know how to use your body and your strength and you know, you can make a pretty good career and be a threat by just going North and South. If you can shoot and if you can finish at the rim. Yeah. And, to, to go back to your earlier point about his height and weight, I mean, we I think sometimes we forget when we talk about these recruits that, you know, they're committing to college when they may be 15 years old, 16 years old, 17 years old. At that point, you are still growing. You're still growing, you know, height wise often. And, you know, your body is still filling out. So he may, you know, say he's six seven two oh five right now. He's still got another year before he graduates high school and comes to Purdue. So we don't really know what height or weight he'll be coming into Purdue at. But obviously, you like to see that six seven two oh five. I mean, that's that's a pretty good body right now for a for a junior, well, rising senior as they like to say, um, in high school. So anything he can add on to that is just going to be great because obviously, you know, the guy's going to continue to be in good shape and. Painter will do whatever whatever he can to you know make sure this guy stays on it uh, as he comes in next year. Uh, I'm sorry, after the 2022 um, class. So uh, I think that's nothing but good if the guy goes ends up being six eight or even six nine. Yeah, and there's a chance when Heidi you know comes to campus and start playing. Ethan Morton's our starting point guard. That that's a huge lineup. Yeah, yeah. Morton, Newman, Heidi. Uh, you'll have Trey Kaufman, Wren. Gillis will be in there somewhere, I'm sure. Gillis will still be there, and you'll have Caleb first. I mean, that's a lot of guys that can switch and guard pretty much every position on the court. So maybe Edie's even still there. Yeah, who um, knows? Like, we we are really setting up to be a skilled, long team. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a good combination. Those are the kind of teams that in the past, um, you know, especially early in Painter's career, those are the kind of teams that often beat Purdue um, and took us out of the tournament. So... I think that's something Painter has always looked for in a team. 
um, just because he saw how successful it could have been. Um, it was, I'm sorry, when he when he first came to Purdue. So you know, it's not a not a bad thing to emulate. He doesn't saw our biggest weakness going forward is definitely if JD Jaden Ivy leaves, who is our on ball guard? Because right now it looks like it has to be Ethan Morton. Yeah, which I still believe in him. Oh, I, I do too. Loved him. I loved him coming out of high school. I, I think I, you have to basically scrap everything yeah. last year. I mean, coming off mono. Um, you know, we saw it, like I said, I think we talked about this once before you saw what it did to Dakota Mathias. You wouldn't judge Dakota Mathias's career based on how he played his freshman year. You just saw such a change in him when, you know, the next year, because he was able to have an off season, he was able to practice. He was able to get his body in shape and Morton, just like Mathias, his, his first year didn't have that chance. So now I expect to see a huge jump, uh, in Morton for next year. Yeah. So if you get that, um, you know, Heidi's not going to be the on-ball guy that takes things, but he's going to make everyone else on the court better just by his threat and his size. So we've got a lot of guys that can score. You know, Kaufman, Wren, and First are a little unorthodox in the way they're going to score. Uh, Kaufman ran a little less. You know, he's a wing with a lot of talent. But all right, we should – he's a nice piece whether we're playing inside or outside. So you'd rather have this guy on your team than not. So it's good to see Painter still pick up these – you know, big four-star recruits. Yeah. Yeah. And the recruiting train for painter just keeps rolling. You know, we're getting a lot of good players. Um, choo, choo. We, <laughs> we hope they uh, translate into great college players, but uh, unless you've got something else on Camden, Heidi, I think uh, we've, all we've got left is a recommendation. So if you have anything left uh, on the newest recruit to Purdue? No, I think that about covers it. You know, well, well, hopefully he's like six ten when he gets to game. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, uh, if you're listening, Camden, please continue to try to grow. Hmm. All right. So we do like to do a recommendation each week. This week is my turn. And before I say this one, I just want to preface, we're not always going to be doing something that's like brand new or cutting edge because in this streaming world that we live in, you come to things whenever you come to them. And it doesn't matter if a show is old, if it's new to you, I'm sure there are plenty of people who haven't seen it anyway. God. You're going to tell everyone to watch Seinfeld. <laughs> yes. Have you heard of this show? <laughs> There's this comedian. I don't know. He's he's kind of small. His name is Jerry Seinfeld. What, what is it about Seinfeld? <laughs> that was terrible. Never, <laughs> never do that again. No. So this is a show, actually, I know you love this show, so oh. we, can, we can talk about it together. This is another show, a lot like Ted Lasso. It brings me joy. It makes me happy to watch. There's really no, like, conflict. It's just pure happiness. And the show I'm going to recommend is The Great British Baking Show. Classic. Just wonderful. So It's very happy. Here, here's how I came to, to watch The Great British Baking Show. Um, when I was in, in law school, Jess had to spend – Jess is my wife – had to spend a lot of time in the evenings at home because I was in class every uh, Monday through Thursday. And I wouldn't get home till like, 10 o'clock. So it was just like, you know, you can watch whatever you want. I don't feel bad about like Netflix cheating on me or anything. So she started watching the Great British Baking Show. So sometimes I would come home and it'd, it'd be this cooking show on. And I'm like, I'm like, what are you watching? What is this? And she's like, oh, it's a Great British Baking Show. There's this many, you know, seasons of it, blah, blah, blah. And I watched it and I, I would only get like 20 minutes of it before we'd like go to bed or, you know, or we turn it off. And I was like, just I was immediately enthralled by it. I was like, these people are so nice. These things they're making look delicious. And 
like again, it's like I said, it's like Ted Lasso and that it just fills me with joy and happiness. And and I can't recommend a show like that highly enough. So who is your favorite host? Oh, the hosts? Mm-hmm. Oh, the Which or- pair? The originals. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Mel- I, I thought Mel it was going to be that. I love Mel and Sue. I thought it was going to be that, and they were really good, but once it moved to Matt Lucas, um, it just kind of confirmed that Noel and Sandy were my favorite. Yeah, Matt, uh, Matt Lucas was the most recent host, and he, I think, was trying a bit too hard. Uh, and it's weird because neither him and, and Noel Fielding, who is the other uh, presenter or host, it's not really their kind of show, I wouldn't think. It's not really their type of comedy. Um, but yet, you know, they're out there. I, I thought Sandy was good. Um, I really liked Sandy, but to me, I mean, Mel and Sue, the original two hosts were, were the best. And I do miss Mary Berry also. Mary Berry was really good. Honestly, every, it's very wholesome. Like you said, and really quick, you can just absolutely get swallowed up like, like a souffle that like collapses. Exactly. Exactly. Right into it. Exactly. So I'll give like a, just a 10, 15 second for people who don't know what it is. It's. Obviously, it's a baking show. It's set in Britain. They bake outside under a tent. There's 12 or 13 people each season, and they do three challenges each week. At the end of the week, one person gets kicked off by the two judges, and everybody loves each other. Everybody helps each other, and it's just great. You know, like I said, there's so much joy. There's just happiness in it everywhere, and if you're having a bad day, you can just put on the Great British Baking Show and the music alone will put you in a good place. I do think it's very important. I, I think the reason why it's a success, or one of the biggest reasons, is that there are the three challenges, so it never feels fluky. Oh, like like someone winning feels fluky, you mean, or something? Yeah, God, it yeah. never feels fluky. Like, episode to episode doesn't feel fluky, because they all have three chances. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it really does, it does seem like, ultimately, the best baker generally does win. Yeah. I, I have no idea how to tell. Well, I mean, you just, I'm talking like the consistency and going from week to week. Obviously, yes. I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. Yeah. Although, I don't know if you do this, but when I'm watching, like you see somebody like do something and you're like, no, you gotta, you gotta, what are you doing? <laughs> and you're like trying to correct right, them. That's be- part of the fun. Yeah. But then like you put me in there and I'd be like, I gotta do what to the eggs? I don't know. So. Yeah, I fully endorse. Good. And they have a bunch of holiday ones. Yes. Like. There's a lot, lot of stuff on Netflix now. Yeah. It's all really good. Yeah, the American version that they've done, not near as good. Um, you can watch it if you're done with the originals, but it's not near as good. So Great British Baking Show, it is all on Netflix. You can always find it on there. There are multiple seasons, although they call them series because it's in Britain. And it is just complete joy. Can't recommend it high enough. So that's that's gonna be it for us this week we end on a happy note and i appreciate that so uh for casey and myself thank you for joining us once again make sure to like rate review and hammer that subscribe button we'll chat with you next week barbecue sauce